Welcome to Spiritually Fierce, the podcast. I am your host, Dr. Ricky Jane Adams, principal and founder of the Institute for Intuitive Intelligence and creator of the Spiritually Fierce movement. Spiritually Fierce is not just a phrase. It is a movement of awakening consciousness of which we are all a part, if we want to be. In each episode, we'll explore what it means to be spiritually fierce, how to become it, and why it is the revolution in consciousness that will save the world. Join me and my fierce guests for deep conversations on spirituality beyond the trinkets and superstitions of the new age that will support you to increase your power to serve. Welcome, welcome, welcome to season two of Spiritually Fierce, the podcast. And we are talking all things difficult spiritual conversations. And I started researching, looking for people that I thought might be able to meet that uh, subject with the full weight of their power and authority. And I was so privileged to find the Spiritual Feminist podcast and my guest today, Lynette, who even from the most cursory look I could see was bringing a really mature and um, profound conversation to the space. So I reached out and I'm very grateful that uh, you were able to make yourself available. For those of you who don't know Lynette, let me introduce you and she can sit there and squirm while she listens to how gorgeous she is. (laughs) It's always that slightly awkward moment, but it is an amazing um, bio and I want everyone to know you. You are the founder of The Spiritual Feminist, which is not just a podcast, but a platform for women who feel the call to live an empowered and more spiritually minded life. As an intuitive mentor, energy healer and yoga teacher, you guide women back to their own innate wisdom and inspire them to ignite their inner fire. Your popular podcast features conversations with Becca Piastrelli, Cassandra Wilder, and Sarah Robinson, among others. I mean, three years, right? More than three years now of podcasts. (laughs) It's very exciting. (laughs) And covering everything from holistic healing, cyclical living, embodied empowerment. Lynette's main mission in life is to show women that everything they need, they already carry within them. Now is the time to journey home to that inner magic. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Likewise, my darling. And you are in um, the Netherlands. And so you're you're joining us nice and early in the morning, nice and fresh. I'm so grateful for your being up and ready to go at this time. Although I'm a morning person, so I, I love doing things in the morning. I'm much more energized. I would love to begin at the beginning. Where did this spiritual journey start for you? Yeah, I love that question because for me, it's never a straightforward answer. And I think for many, it, it's not. It's like, where do you want me to begin? Pick a, pick a year and we'll talk about that year. Um, I think it's, it is twofold. For me, when I look back, obviously, it's always easy to say these things in hindsight. But when I look back, <clears throat> I was always so spiritual as a child. Um, I felt entities as a child. I was very intuitive as a child, very sensitive as well, which obviously back then wasn't necessarily a positive thing, you know, in the school system and um, with different expectations coming from different ways. But looking back, you know, it makes a lot of sense that now I do what I do. And now that I'm passionate about what I do, 
because back then I already had those qualities within me. But as you know, you grow up and you're in your teens in high school and you're like, oh, that sort of woo-woo crap, never mind. I literally just <laughs> pushed it aside. <laughs> and I was like, this is not, this is not me. But funnily enough, I keep thinking back at this moment. So it was, I think, I'm sure school systems are different there, but I think I was about let's say 13 and we had to that, that was high school for me right and we had to write this like short essay um for this religion um course thing mm-hmm. about like a spiritual or religious experience so I wrote about when I was 10 you know I felt my grandfather visiting me and I was I knew that it was very out there to write about something yeah. like that but I guess again you know that sort of Aries fire just came through <laughs> and I was like you know what I'm just going to talk about this because I could have talked about my Catholic upbringing I could have talked about anything that you know I, I experienced in church when I was younger and my parents were still going to church but I decided to write about that and I remember the teacher coming up to me personally and I had like a nine and a half out of ten on that paper and he was like Lena I think you're going to do something with this later on and I was like no this is like I wrote that essay for like closure I was like nah that's not me I don't want to be this sensitive like girl like this is not serving me I could see it not serving me in high school anyway long story short I still ever since I like kind of downloaded and started the spiritual feminist I'm thinking about that teacher because he knew what was going on even if I didn't know it yet even if you know all the other people around me my family or my friends didn't see it he was like I think there's something here and I love that because it feels very very full circle and it reminds me that this is something that you know has always been there it's innately within me the spiritual side as I think it is and with all within all of us of course But I guess more recently, if you will, about five years ago, I went through a breakup that was very intuitive, I keep calling it, that kept coming this voice of like, I don't think you should be in this situation. And it wasn't just, you know, the relationship, it was just the whole sort of lifestyle that was attached to that. And I was like, yeah, but there's no like reason, right? There's no like practical, (laughs) like why? Like, you know, we were living together. We had it sort of all figured out. Like at least the thought that we had. And at some point, like my intuition got so like, I don't know if I can curse on this podcast, but you can. um, Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's good because this is like the true me coming through. But I got so sick of my own bullshit and in the sense of like, I knew it wasn't happy, but I was like suppressing it up until that point. Yeah. Anyway, then I, I broke off that relationship. And from that moment, I realized that there was almost like a different side of me, like a different voice, if you will, a different truth that with me listening to that in the first place, I could really started to grow and evolve and expand. And there were a couple more moments later down the line where I really started to realize I'm strengthening something here that is so much deeper than just my mind. Yeah. And that was about five, five and a half years ago, maybe already six actually. And since then, you know, I've really been on this path of self-reflection, introspection, healing, very, very deep healing, um, especially, you know, linking it back to that inner child stuff. And yeah, that's, that's kind of what brought me to creating the spiritual feminist in the first place and now you know all these years later being here and talking about this stuff and yeah yeah, 
just living my passion. So I want to know then, when did the feminist begin? When did she wake up in you? Oh my goodness. I love, nobody's ever asked me that. (laughs) I love that. You know what? The whole reason that I called the platform the spiritual feminist, and again, that was very intuitive. I don't really remember like, you know, writing a mind map and like coming to that name. It was just a download. And it was a download because at some point on my own spiritual journey, I started to realize that my spiritual beliefs were strengthening the way that I felt as a woman and the way that I felt connected to my femininity and also vice versa. I just saw the two so beautifully linked. And I guess then you could say that the two kind of ran parallel at the same time when I was at university, I studied feminism. And I think that a lot of the more sort of practical feminism, if you will, um, started around there. And then the two kind of caught up um, a few years down the line. But when I really saw like, wait, when I feel so deeply connected to the universe, to myself, I feel connected to mother earth. Mother Earth has beautiful cycles. So do I. It's all of these like parallels and overlaps that really make me realize like I'm a better feminist because of my spirituality and I'm a better spiritual being because of my feminism. And yeah, there's just so many overlaps there that I think that at some point they kind of caught up with each other and here we are. I I love that because you know I am I likewise identify as a feminist but I'm intrigued as well because I know that I'm much older than you but there was a period of time where women younger than me were rejecting the idea of feminism mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I felt that they were rejecting it because they had the luxury to reject it because the 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 women who'd come before had kind of broken down so many barriers but Do you find that people have a strong reaction to that word feminism, even inside of a conversation about spirituality? Totally. I think it depends who I talk to. Um, It's definitely very generational, 100%. I think that the, so I'm 28 right now, and I think that the generation my age slash younger, actually, I feel like the whole sort of TikTok generation definitely is a lot more awake than many, many of us, <laughs> um, which makes me feel really old when I say that. But yeah, um, I think they don't shy away from the word feminism. I think maybe other generations do, definitely. I think also because it's very <clears throat> almost stigmatized in the sense of um this is how a feminist, a feminist looks. And like, they, they assume that everybody is, you know, this almost like butch lesbian archetype, which I think is a beautiful archetype, but it's not like feminism is so much more than just sort of the patriarchal view on feminism. And I mean, there's so many layers to that, but I think that definitely I've had people say, even close to me at first, should you really use the word feminist? And my Instagram handle is actually the spiritual femme because somebody already had the spiritual feminist and that account is not used, but I couldn't like claim it <laughs> at the start. Maybe I could now, but here we are. And then some people to, said to me, and I actually first said to other people as well, like, this is actually great because it can be the spiritual feminist, but then also people can see it as the spiritual feminine or female, or, you know, people could kind of create their own sort of word from that femme. And 
now I look back at it and I'm like, actually, that was me kind of protecting that maybe difficult piece a little bit because now, you know, back then also my, my website was the spiritual femme. I kind of just own that. Now I'm like, no, we're all spiritual feminists, like all the way. So I think for me, even it might've been quite a journey because at first I was like, you know, I'm really talking about my spirituality, my feminism out here and it's kind of scary because there were a lot of people judging it and there were a lot of people who I didn't necessarily know directly yeah but kind of knew through other people who were like oh she's calling herself a feminist like let's see about that right yeah so I think from even for me it was more of a protective mechanism but now (laughs) you know a few years in I'm like I'm owning this and I love you know the feminist part of it. I love the, and that's why I also love this invitation. I love the difficult conversation that we can have around reclaiming the word feminist. And if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you. It's the same with spirituality. You know, you get to call it whatever you want. I call it the universe. You may call it God or goddess. Like it really, for me, doesn't matter as long as you do the empowered thing for yourself. And for me, and I think for many women in my community and who find my community, reclaiming the phrase spiritual feminist is part of their empowerment process. Yeah, definitely. I love that. And yes, you're right. They're two, I mean, strangely enough, two very taboo topics in a lot of ways and shouldn't be, but but they really are. And, and I think that's because so much of it is about female identity. Now, I know feminism is not yeah. women only, and I know that spirituality mm-hmm. is not women only, but we know that patriarchy has done a lot to devastate women's relationship to their own spirituality, to their own intimate inner spiritual authority. Yeah. So in a way, it's like that sense of, for me, the spiritual feminist, and I love to hear your definition, is a woman who is self-authorizing in her relationship Mm. with God, right? Like she's defining what spiritual means. She's defining what feminist means. She's defining what woman means, right? These are not fixed terms. And I feel like that invitation's there in what you're offering, but a lot of people have an agenda. So how do you define a spiritual feminist? I love your definition. I'm definitely gonna copy that because I think that you put it a lot more eloquently than, than I ever can, but 100%. What I often talk about with when it comes to spiritual feminism is we're part of a sacred rebellion. And that sacred rebellion is very much external in terms of, you know, we're really trying to make the world a better place when it comes to being conscious, being conscious of what we do to Mother Earth, being conscious of how we interact with other people, how we make our decisions, but also that sacred rebellion within of like, exactly like you say, who am I? What does it mean to me to be a woman? What does it mean to stand in my feminine energy? What does it mean to stand in my masculine energy? Um, So I think that, you know, I always like to bring in that term of sacred rebellion because to me, reclaiming your spiritual feminism is all about going off of the, you know, walked path. It's carving out your own path. And that can be really overwhelming because we live in a society that continuously will try to bring you back on the path of like, no, what are you doing? You cannot choose for yourself. You cannot prioritize yourself. You cannot dive deep into your own healing and empowerment because we need you as a number in this, you know, patriarchal world. 
you cannot have all of these wild dreams and desires and go after them because what about the systems in place? You know, you need to be kept small. So I think that spiritual feminine feminism is all about taking back the reins and yeah. honoring your journey the way exactly as it is. And that doesn't have to mean that you, that you follow, you know, that you listen to my podcast and, and you're like, oh, I'm going to do the exact same thing that Lynette has done. It's about you and what feels most aligned to you and journeying back to that. And I think that that is truly a sacred rebellion in a world wow. that continues to just want you to adhere to the matrix, if you will. Yeah. Why do you, or what do you think is the biggest impediment for women? And I'm speaking about women because that's who you serve. Yes, that's, that's, I'm correct in that. What's the biggest impediment for women to reclaim or to claim, not reclaim, they've probably never had it, a lot of us, but to claim that sense of self-determination, to do it how they want to do it? Like what gets in our way? I would say internalized beliefs. Yeah. So internalized conditioned beliefs, things that we see when we grow up about how our mother or the women in our lives feel like they need to adhere to society, things that we see in the media that we pick up. So much of the work that I do with women that I work with that are in sort of my community is about returning to worthiness, returning to self-love, returning to their own intuition. And the reason why they need to return to that is because their internalized conditioned beliefs made them stare away from all of that. So, so many of us think that to be a woman means to be a good girl, means to, excuse me, means to really like adhere to a specific set of guidelines of this is what it's like to be a woman in this world, right? And I was there, you know, before that intuitive like hit, I don't even want to call it a whisper anymore. It was like, (laughs) you just pick up your stuff and go. (laughs) Um, Before that, you know, I thought I needed to do it this certain way and I needed to love people a certain way. I needed to choose my career path a certain way. Like it needed to be a certain way. Not saying that just women suffer from this, by the way, but I think that in our society, women like suffer from it or experience it in a very specific way. And then obviously there's a lot of um, sort of difference there too with privileges and, and things like that, 100%. But I think that overall, we adhere to the good girl. And with that comes a set of internalized conditioned beliefs of what we're, you know, what we're worthy of, what we deserve, how much we can truly listen to our desires or not in in this case. So, so much of what's standing in our way is what we have internalized. And what I always really like to invite women to do is look at the beliefs that you have in whatever way that feels good. Maybe it's journaling, maybe it's going out on a walk and actually thinking like, what do I truly believe about myself, about the world? What is possible for me? Writing those down can really, really help because then you actually get confronted with the story that you've been telling yourself. And I think that that is one, the first step to them being able to rewrite those beliefs. It's also a way to get out of victim mode because I talk a lot about like, damn the patriarchy and things like that. And I truly believe that we're all a victim of it, not just women. 100%, I think we're a victim of the patriarchal capitalist values that are placed on us. However, we're not about staying in that victim mode. We're 
we're about, you know, if you have the time, if you have the privilege, if you have the ability to step out of that, to better yourself as well as others. So I think that with rewriting those beliefs, you really then can, can be able to step out of that and, and give yourself the opportunity to create a new story. Like, what do you want your story to be? Why not start to believe um, that you are worthy of your desires? Why not start to believe that your intuition has so many great things in store for you? And of course, it's not as simple as, you know, just writing it down and like, you know, okay, now I'm healed. Like, definitely not. But it is a really, really good start because I think in the end, we can hold ourselves back the most. No one else is going to empower you for you. (laughs) No one's going to do the work for you. Yeah. So if you have that space, if you feel that calling, it is you who needs to take action. It's you who needs to look in the sort of metaphorical mirror in a way and look, what stories have I been telling myself and which ones can I start to rewrite? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I love that you use the word privilege because of course, you know, in our contemporary age, and certainly this was a new learning for me because, you know, I did my undergraduate degree in the 90s and we weren't talking about intersectional feminism then. Um, I was very lucky that I was at a university that was very progressive, but that intersectional intersectional feminism is really um, brought so much more rich perspective. And I think particularly as white spiritual women, we are, we're going to assume most of us have that privilege that there are many others who do, who do not. And I wonder, you know, what, what do you feel our responsibility is with that privilege from a spiritual perspective? Because that is always the space that I want to work from. Obviously we have to take action in the 3D as well, but what do you feel is your role as that privileged white woman in a spiritual space to, to, I guess, change the way these stories are told and, and to liberate consciousness? How do we approach that? I mean, that is a huge question. And I don't, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, just a light question early in the morning. Um, but I love that you, that you say this. And I, you know, I had a look at your content as well. And, 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 and I love that you also talk about these things because I think as white women in this space, at some point it might have felt pretty scary to talk about privilege because you, you can never do it right. And I'm so glad you can never do it right because we're here to learn together we're here to fall and get back up and do it messy right I'm not here for perfect and I think that's like my down-to-earth sort of Dutchness coming through of like (laughs) I just say how it is like I'm not you know I don't feel like I am sort of on this pink cloud of like everything's love and light like life is difficult especially for people in marginalized communities done and however you identify wherever you find yourself on that intersect like you know real life yes, has privileges of, you know, people with abled bodies, people with a white skin tone, like things like that. Like there's so much, there's so much like delicacies there to take in and to understand. And I don't think we can ever do it perfect, 100%. But I think that as for me, you know, with my privileges, I think one, it's then also my responsibility to create space for women specifically, but I think people in general, but women specifically, because obviously that's also my focus, um, of maybe less privilege to also share their voice, 
you know, I've had the privilege that I could, that I had, you know, before the spiritual feminist became my business, I had a job so I could like support myself as I was growing this. And like, there was so much there already, right. In terms of privilege. And I had the time and the space because I didn't need to take care of anybody else, just stuff like that. So I think that with all of that in mind, it is my responsibility then to also bring in women who might not have enjoyed those privileges and who feel like they're sort of two steps behind all the time because of the system. I also think that because of those privileges, you know, I get to use this platform, this voice, this time, this space that I have to reach as many people as I can. And of course, I hope that everybody feels seen and included in my space. And again, that's my responsibility. And then I also think that you know, the more that I sort of use my privilege of time, especially that I can, like I said, reach more people, but also in different ways. So, you know, me recording this podcast with you, it's a different way for me of like reaching people than maybe me posting an Instagram story, things like that. And it's like, let's actually use my time and the space that I had and also the time that I had to do my healing and my like, you know, investing in myself, um, money, time, energy to then also create hopefully a bit of a ripple effect. And I'm not saying, oh, it all starts with me, but you probably understand what I'm saying, where it's like, we get to like really use everything that we have, not just for ourselves, but for others as well. And I think that that is actually, looking back at it now, one of the biggest reasons I wanted to start The Spiritual Feminist is I wanted to find this community of like-minded sisters. And I wanted, I was like, I know that they're out there. And sure, I could talk to some friends about my spirituality, but not like, you know, the nitty gritty stuff, which is fine. But I was like, I'm sure that there are more people out there who like think like me and who, you know, can resonate with this. And here we are, especially kind of post-pandemic, you know, I feel like everyone's talking about it, but that could also just be my bubble. Um, but I'm like, okay, well, this social media thing, it gets to be this ripple effect, right? Because so many people have access to social media. And again, that is also a privilege in itself. But I think that actually at the base of, you know, the spiritual feminist is that sisterhood. And I really hope that everyone feels included in that no matter how you identify no matter you know how where you're at on your spiritual journey or your empowerment journey um so that was a really long-winded answer to kind of speak to privilege again it's not a final conclusion right no and I love that I think absolutely if you came up with the perfect answer I'd be suspicious because I think (laughs) you know it's it's not something that is done one and done it's not a polished finished product that we just show off to say hey I've worked on my you know internalized oppressor oppressor but that it is something that I think we need to keep bringing to the table to to have, as you say, these conversations with people who can meet us. And it touches on something else you mentioned um, in uh, the the submission for this podcast is that idea of staying out of the love and light spirituality. And that's something I hear a lot, but I think you're bringing a really um, honest perspective to it, which is, you know, feminism critiques And I think often in spirituality, we're meant to kind of accept like carte blanche. And that is one of the biggest pitfalls. That's why the guru culture is failing because actually people are now going, hey, maybe it's not everything that you say is correct. And I think it's okay to sit in spaces such as 
the one you're creating where we can say, I don't necessarily know what the right answer is, but I'm not afraid to sit with the discomfort of this conversation and how, you know, I love that you, you can say, I want to gather with people, women specifically, who can sit in that fire of that discomfort with me. So how do you see, or what are the dangers of that fairly good girl, I guess, kind of prevalent love and light conversation, even though we know it's being dismantled, why do you think we keep sort of, or can be tempted to fall back into it? Yeah, I think because we, again, it kind of comes back to those conditioned beliefs. I think we grow up in a society that whether you grow up religious or not, I think it doesn't really matter. I think we grow up in a society that is very hierarchical and we keep, you know, subconsciously too, we keep looking for that hierarchy. And I think especially what you can see with guru culture specifically is that we don't trust ourselves enough. So we put our trust in somebody else. And this can be, you know, in the spiritual spaces, this can also be at work, for instance, where you're like, oh, you know, in a meeting and you thought you had a really, you had really good input. And then your boss says something and you're like, never mind. It's kind of the same thing in a way. But I think with spirituality, what what is so dangerous is that it goes so deep and it can really bypass on so many things when you look at somebody else for answers, because they're already exactly like, you know, you introduced me, like, I truly believe they're all inside of you. Doesn't mean that, you know, you cannot seek support, you cannot find inspiration with what other people are doing 100%. But I think that we are conditioned to believe that the answers are always outside of us. So when we step on that spiritual path, and we don't fully have, you know, that confidence grown yet, and we don't fully connect to ourselves so deeply yet, we kind of fall into that same trap of, well, that person seems like he knows all the answers. I'll listen to him because I don't think that I can trust myself. Mm -hmm. And for me, again, I think this might be my Dutchness coming through. I don't know. Maybe it's Maybe it's also like I'm a Taurus moon and a Leo rising. So there's a lot there. (laughs) But um, for me, I'm like, let's actually return back to you. Like, what do you think? And that is a really deep journey that I, you know, have have the privilege to, to guide some women on of like, actually, what is within me? What am I saying? And sometimes it takes, you know, like, eight sessions of one hour to like really trust that there is that intuitive voice inside that it's not something that I need to tell you or that somebody else needs to tell you so I think you know it's all about stepping out of that hierarchy and we're not used to that even when I facilitate women's circles for instance like people look at me right for like you know what are we going to do what are we and that's fine but at the same time I'm always like there's a reason we're sitting in a circle And that I'm not like standing on a stage and you're sitting there in this space, right? I mean, there's beautiful speakers and it's not like that, that there's anything wrong with that. But in a circle, there's only people next to you. There's no one behind you, no one in front of you. You're all equal. And that is a very foreign concept to many of us. And sometimes also very uncomfortable, like realization. Because it's like, well, if we're all equal, like who do I then look to? Well, you look within yeah. and that's when it gets you know uncomfortable or messy or like scary because we're not used to that we don't know how to handle that and that is really I think why I'm so passionate about you know doing what I do 
is let's return with it and let's see what then can actually happen. And I've seen it happen with myself, with others of like, oh, wait, I can actually trust myself. Um, and it means that you go down into the nitty gritty and, you know, you do that shadow work. You, you don't shy away from facing yourself, facing the difficult stuff, but that builds self-trust. It's all part of it. You cannot bypass that and think, oh, now I'm spiritual. I'm enlightened. Like you don't get to, even if that, like, to me, that's not my goal, but even if you want to get to a certain sense of enlightenment, you need to, you know, go through the difficult stuff to find the light. It, it's mm-hmm. the shadow and the light coexist, right? So yeah, again, it's about dismantling those internalized beliefs, 100%. I love that. And I think your story that you shared, that origin story of leaving a relationship that, you know, wasn't particularly wrong or bad, there wasn't, you know, an incident or anything that is that demonstration of, you know, you had to break something in order to find that light, that intuition within you. And potentially, I'm imagining go through the grief and the loss of the life you thought you were going to have. But to resist that inner knowing would have probably caused having, you know, had experiences like that, some kind of madness, you know, it makes us crazy to ignore ourselves for long enough. Totally. And again, in hindsight, it's so easy to say this, but, you know, around that time is when for me, my anxiety disorder came to like, look Mm. around the corner. I don't fully like um, resonate with that label anymore, but back then it was like, oh, You know, I started having panic attacks like on the weekly. I completely shut down with a lot of like my bodily responses as well. And I just felt like, I've said this before in podcasts, but around that time, I felt like all of my energy and specifically my feminine energy just left me. And then when I made that hard decision, immediately, it would that was actually quite a spiritual experience immediately it like surged back wow. I was like oh so <laughs> after after that breakup I actually I think I grieved more before the breakup of like who That's I thought right. I was and like letting go of that story but yeah. then after I was like oh but this is how it gets to be yeah and there was just this power that started to rise and I knew like this is not exclusive to me like everybody has this stored somewhere and let's like start unlocking it bit by bit yeah um so yeah I don't know if that answered your question but I just yeah, no. yeah I love that and I love yeah just bringing that back to that moment that you started uh with and and how much you know you're walking your talk right this is this is you are the demonstration of what you teach I want to ask a few personal questions uh to wrap up our time together so our audience can get to know you what do people misunderstand about you oh I always feel like I really need to think a long, hard time. No <laughs> <but>, time. <laughs> yeah. What do people misunderstand about me? Mm. Something's like really coming up for me around my voice. So as a child, I had a really like shrill, loud voice. And then I really was, you know, conditioned to like lower this. And then I started my podcast and my first, maybe you resonate with this, but my first podcast episode, like I whispered, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. There's this microphone, like (laughs) throat chakra completely blocked. Right. Um, So I think that 
a lot of people may think that it's easy for me to express myself and to talk and to, which is in a way it's true at the same time, don't get me wrong. I'm not perfect. I don't have it figured out. And I sometimes really struggle with speaking my truth and knowing what my truth is. Um, so don't, don't be fooled all the time by what you see on, <laughs> on the outside. I get a lot of people asking me like, how do you feel like so easy and so like just the flowy online and recording your stories? And I'm like, trust me, it took like 20 takes. <laughs> Not anymore quite, but like, yeah. yeah. I think that yeah. sort of that visibility and expression bit is definitely something that people can kind of assume, yeah. but then don't underestimate the hard work that is behind that. Yeah. I've also deconditioning, right? Yeah, I love that. What are you reading right now? Right now I am reading. So one fiction book that I brought with me on holiday, which is incredible, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. It was a huge success and I'm a little bit late to the party, but I can <laughs> completely recommend it if you just want a light read. But really, like, it's actually really amazing because it also talks more about, it is actually a really intersectionally feminist book and I didn't realize it at the time. And then also I'm reading a lot of yoga books so a lot of yin yoga books and things like that because I'm really deepening my uh, my own teaching and practices so yeah amazing and if today was your last day on earth what is the message your final message you want us all to know that it might be the last day on earth for me but I don't believe it's our last day as as souls and I think that we're here your soul decided to about to get really deep here, but your soul decided to incarnate in this physical body exactly as you are, because that's exactly how you're meant to be. And it's all about returning home to who you actually at your core are, soul, body, mind. And you get to journey with that. Like there's a reason right now that you're here walking this earth, listening to this podcast, maybe feeling a nudge to go left, right, or straight forward. And there's a reason that you're made and built the way that you are. Yeah. And this is an invitation for you to really embrace that and celebrate that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And I'll still be around, even if I'm not <laughs> physically around. I totally trust that. <laughs> I'll be visiting you like oh, your yes. granddad. <laughs> oh, I love that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time and your wisdom, dear one. I'm, I'm finding it hard to believe that 28 is all that you are, but obviously only in this incarnation. Um, it's been such a privilege and I'm so glad I followed those breadcrumbs and found you. Um, we'll share all the links to your website and to your podcast so people can find you and the links uh, to the book you mentioned. I think that's anything else that's juicy that we want to pop in there. And I hope we get to spend more time together very soon. Me too. It was such a joy recording this with you. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you very, very soon. In 2022, the Institute for Intuitive Intelligence is bringing you a whole new way to get qualified as a professional intuitive. The Intuitive Intelligence Method Accreditation is a 100-hour training program, including personal development, professional development, and spiritual development that will take your skills as an intuitive to the level of superconscious.
This programme is available online and in person across a range of different dates and deliveries in 2022 and 2023. We'd love for you to head to the instituteforintuitiveintelligence.com to find out more about how you can get qualified faster and more efficiently to increase your power to serve.